Hi, everyone. Welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I am Simone de Rochefort from Pixelkin.org, and I am joined by my illustrious co-hosts, Christina Warren, uh, senior tech correspondent at Mashable, and Brianna Wu, head of development at Giant Space Cat. How are you guys doing today? Well, I bet you, you're you super pumped together. and full of energy. You rolled us together. I did. I rolled you together. I don't know what compelled me to do it, but it happened. I, I'm How do okay you feel about that. it? I think it I was good. Like it. Yeah, it was snappy. It's acceptable. It was Sick. snappy. Yeah. Look, if I'm going to be rolled in with anyone, <laughs> I'd like to be rolled in. <laughs> Got to roll with yeah, Bree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ah, <laughs> uh, are like, do you guys just want to like leap into the show? Why don't we just skip the like the let's like, skip the banter yeah, and let's, let's just get right down to it. Get to it. Yeah. <laughs> Brianna's not in the mood for banter. No banter allowed today. <laughs> so we are going to talk about Apple Music. Big surprise. I bet no one ever saw that coming. So <laughs> that that launched today with the three-month free trial, which I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I lost a lot of time that I should have spent researching this show just playing with Apple Music, which I awesome. guess is researching the show. It is. In its so, own way. So I want to hear your take on this, Simone, because um, I know Brie was a Beats Music uh, user beforehand. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've been kind of heads down on Apple Music foo for the last like 72 hours. But I would love to hear your take, Simone. Like, what do you think of it? What's your experience? Because have, have, do you subscribe to Spotify or RDO or any of those other services? I am not a Spotify user. The services that I've used mostly, uh, I used Songza uh, a long time yes. ago. And then 8Tracks came along. And 8Tracks okay. basically took over all of my music listening needs. For me, I'm very, very bad about getting my own music and owning my own music. I go exclusively for the user-curated playlists on 8-Tracks because, you know, they have that assortment of things that I like, and it's based on someone's personal taste. And a lot of the time, it'll be like a playlist specifically for, say, a show that I've watched, things like that. So honestly, this for me, Apple Music, when I opened it up and I was playing around with those playlists, it almost combines to me the parts that I like about 8-tracks and the parts that I like about songs, specifically the fact that I can search by mood or activity. That I loved. And the fact that I could just like take those things and then add them to my existing music library and have them there, that blew my freaking mind. I was like, (laughs) I was a kid in a candy shop. I basically started looking up every artist that I like and just throwing them into my, my streaming pile. And honestly, I think this... That aspect of it for me is what impressed me the most right off the bat because I I saw immediately this is how I'm going to be making my playlist in the future because I'm so bad at owning music. I rely only on other people for it, uh, mainly my roommate to make a lot of good playlists for me. For I need playlists for my writing a lot, um, not just work, but also fiction writing. I make playlists based on characters. I make playlists based on moods. And this holy crap, this made it so much easier just in the last few hours that I've been playing with it. I am really pumped to go make a crap ton of playlists tonight. And that was that was my that was my first use impression of it was that it was going to be super fun for me to finally have all this music at the tips of my fingers. And then visually, I just I found it really pleasing. There's a lot going on, but I didn't find it difficult to navigate at all. And it has those beautiful like full screen pictures that I absolutely love. So that that was my my my. I'm very much in the honeymoon phase right now because I did just start using it today. So I'm 
I'm swooning over it. I, I can't stop just opening it and messing with it. Yeah. I was messing with it at work. Like, yeah. I should be working, but I'm going to yeah. curate something instead. My use case of it is super different than yours, Simone. Um, you know, it's I have often felt through my whole life like a music outsider. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up in Mississippi where everyone's into country music. And I liked EDM, dance music, house music, you know, basically the music of the devil. <laughs> um, and, and this was back in, you know, the 90s. You would actually have to draw to a CD store um, at the mall and you would have to like pay $20 for that for that CD. So like what's interesting to me, Christina, I really want to get into your your article that you wrote those wonderful like curation, curation, curation. Um, but what what's interesting to me is this is my use case with music that I'm looking for. Um, you guys rave about Taylor Swift and I like her stuff. But Taylor Swift is a name that everyone knows already. For right. me, um, what's interesting about EDM is there's no equivalent of Taylor Swift in the dance world. Um, there are no big names. What's very, very common is people will come out, they'll put one or two hit songs um, that will kind of transcend, uh, like become super popular, and then they will just fade away. And I could give like a hundred names of people that came out and did like one track that is utterly timeless and has been remixed a thousand times. And then they did more minor songs and they just never rose to the top. So what I am looking for is like, Simone, you're talking about playlists. I have playlists, but I don't want music that just goes into the background um Mm -hmm. you know like i find specific music tracks being almost like a drug because they get me in such a good mood and they get me hyper and they just hit this intense part of my soul that just loves that feeling of energy Mm -hmm. from dance music and i'm constantly searching for that and what i love about beats and what apple music does so much better than beats with the larger catalog is curating that and um, like going through and now that they're not limited to just the stuff that Beats can acquire, but most of the ITMS library, um, it's just a beautiful, vast, amazing library of music. Um, So I I just think it's a extremely good product. I I do have some niggles with the the user interface, but I wanted to let Christina give her impression. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I've been a Spotify subscriber, gosh, um, probably for five and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, before they even came to America, I had an account, and and I've used almost every streaming service on the market. You know, I've used Audio, I've used um, some of the non-subscription services like you know your songs and your eight tracks, mm-hmm. um, Mog, which was actually the precursor to Apple to, to Beats Music. Um, I had a Rhapsody account um, before iTunes even existed on Windows. You know, I've, <laughs> I've I've had streaming accounts for forever, and and so going into this, it wasn't like you know used to them where you're kind of seeing for the first time what it's like to have access to all your music at your fingertips. Um, I've, I've been familiar with that for a long time, but still going into it, I had to say, I'm really impressed with the final product. Um, uh, like you, Brie, I have some UI niggles. And and of course, there are some things you know that I maybe would, would like to be a little bit different. But I've been so impressed with just the quality of the product because it, it does what I always wanted Spotify to do, which is combining all of my songs that I've purchased over the years with this humongous catalog of music and letting them live mm-hmm. together side by side, which to me, it's hard for me to like overstate how great that is. But what I also really love is that for you section, which just gives me oh, it's so beautiful, amazing recommendations. Um, the 
biggest challenge I think that has faced digital music, and I've written about this for years, is the fact that, you know, it's kind of you've got this paradox of choice, where when you have access to everything, it's almost like you've got like, you know, 30 million songs, nothing to listen to. Um, because there's this weird paradox of choice, you're kind of um, immobilized by the fact that you can listen to anything. Mm -hmm. So how I felt about a lot of the services is that, okay, I've got access to all this stuff, but I'm basically now stuck in like with like a search bar and I don't know where to start. And so what tends to happen, at least for me, is that I tend to just listen to the same stuff over and over again, or I listen to kind of a crappy, you know, like algorithmically determined playlist because it's hard for me to choose and hard for me to discover new stuff. Um, what made radio so great and, and what made, you know, like well curated, like well done radio stations great is that you can just kind of tune in and lean back. And what I really like about Apple Music with the For You section is that it takes my listening history, my purchasing history, the things I've liked into account and gives me fantastic recommendations about albums that maybe I've heard before, but not in a long time, or maybe an artist that I've liked, but I haven't heard their newest track or, or their newest album, or maybe there was an album they released a few years ago and I missed it. Um, or here's a playlist for songs that they think that I'm going to like, and sure enough, I do. Um and just having that ability to just open that up and see these great recommendations, um, in addition to all the playlists that they have, you know, scattered throughout the app, um, has been really, really impressive. And like you, Brianne, like you, Simone, I've found the quality of the playlist to be really superb. I mean, Songs is one of those services I've loved for years, and I've always thought they did a great job with their playlist. But I think that this is one of those because they do have such a huge library of stuff that you can do, and because you can actually see the songs on the playlist, whereas with Songs, you can kind of get a sense, but you don't really know what's going to be there. Um, I can know when I look at, you know, deep cuts from Death Cab for Cutie, they actually have deep cuts. I'm going, this is actually impressive. You know, if I'm looking at introduction to, you know, a, a different band or a different type of music, I'm seeing, oh, okay, this is actually looks like this have things that I know, but and also things I don't know, and I feel like I can trust it and really um, kind of enjoy music again for the first time in a long time. I felt so overwhelmed by music in, in, in recent years that it's been hard for me to discover new stuff. And now mm -hmm. I feel like with this product, I have an opportunity, hopefully, um, to, you know, feel like I can kind of fall in love with new music again. Yeah, for me, like, it's going to make it so much easier because with, since I've been relying on eight tracks, my problem is like, oh, I like that song, crap, I'm going to write down the name of it, I'll look it up later, maybe. And now it's just like, tap, boom, I can listen to that whenever. It's blowing my mind, you guys. I really enjoy it. Um, and yet, like you said, the, I loved the intro playlist. I was playing around with those. I, of course, looked up Taylor Swift and U2 and Block B and all my favorite bands. And they're really, really good. And I I I love having people curate the playlist for me. I'm curious to see if a uh, user-created playlist will sort of filter through the app at some point. Do you know if that's going to be something that happens? Um, I hope it does eventually. Right now, they don't have plans to do that. Right now, they there's a way for you to share individual playlists. Like I could create a playlist, a rocket playlist, and share it with you guys. Yeah. Um, but there's which not obviously gonna we're going to do. Oh, my totally. God. We're going to have oh to do that. God. We're yes. totally going to do that. But there's not a way to publicly make that visible for other people to find. That, I think, is a mistake. That's one of the best parts of Spotify, I think. I kind of understand where Apple maybe is trying to maybe limit the friction a little bit. And I could also see they maybe don't want to deal with the overhead. Um, but that's one of my favorite features of Spotify is that I can search for playlists other people create and subscribe to mm -hmm. them. Um I hope eventually that comes around. I don't know if it will or, or, or not. Um, but at the very least, you know, you can share playlists you create 
with with your friends. So mm-hmm. the three of us yeah. can at least create a rocket playlist. But I think that's really problematic. And it's a problem that exists with beats. Like they supposedly had this like make a playlist, share it features that just didn't work out. And here, like if I like a song, I can tweet it, but it takes you to a link that yes. makes you do all these steps and like you're signing up. And yeah, that doesn't like something I find frustrating. So many people know me as a game dev. And, you know, to be honest, I could talk about EDM a lot more than I could say, you know, feminism and games. Um, <laughs> that's not something I could really talk about with people. And I really wish this had the ability to, like you said, share playlists. I would love to like put together the most kick butt EDM playlists every week and be able to share pe- that with people. But there's just yeah. so much friction here. I understand why it's not happening right now. I feel like they're trying to focus on Apple music curation and like who that that Apple is bringing this music to you with their editors. Mm-hmm. But I would really like to see that because that I, I trust other people's music tastes a lot more than I trust my own, um, which is, of course, part of why I'm loving this because these music experts are giving me things just hand feeding them to me what is happening but yeah that is i would love to be able to take your edm recommendations brie and politely listen to them and go that's nice (laughs) that's nice (laughs) no i I really hope that they that they're able to do that one thing i would like to i understand why and and look we also have to acknowledge you know this is we're three days into the product release we're technically two days into the product release (laughs) you know a lot of things could change and improve and i think that even though there's some niggles and there have been some problems with the rollout it's been relatively smooth um and and i feel like it feels like a very complete product maybe not 100 percent like every Everything's not maybe done, but it feels very complete. Um, I hope they add those types of features because I do think it would add a lot to it. But what I also hope, one of Spotify's best things, I think, and Audio lets you do this too, is you can embed playlists and songs on the web. And I understand maybe not wanting to have full song playback and having a full web experience. Apple's not going to do that. But at least have like a way so you could, to view stuff and maybe play a sample of the track. Yeah, like um, the iTunes 90-second feature thing. That's all I want. That's all I want. Let me show people 90 seconds of this. And then if they want to, they can buy the track or sign up for Apple Music. I like That's that. That's a hugely yeah. missing you know, feature. So. Yeah, and I mean, I think that too would help it kind of go viral because one of the reasons right now I often use Spotify links and I'll send them to people when I say you, you got to hear this song is that it's free. Um, you know, I pay for it, but but it's free, and so anybody can listen to it as long as they have an account. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this, as you said, there's so much kind of friction involved. I don't see sharing the tracks unless I know the person has Apple Music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can we talk about some of the, like, look, this is a good service. I think it's absolutely worth $10 a month. I do want to talk about some of the problems I have with it. Please do. Please do. So, and and listen, this is only going to matter to you if you've used Beats a lot, and I have, but I can't help but notice some of the licenses did not transfer over to Apple Music. And I have lost some of my songs. I have lost a few um, of my playlists. I'm sure it's like edge cases or more obscure stuff, but I'm definitely aware of that. Um, The other thing I have to say, um, I don't like this interface a tenth as much as I did the Beats interface. Mm-hmm. I love the round circular um, your Beats when you're like scrubbing through a track. It had almost a retro iPod classic um, yeah. wheel thing to it that was very, very tactile. And I love that, like being able to do that. Here it's this, you have to like double tap to get to this other thing. Like the music, it, it just feels so generic 
overall the UI where I felt like Beats had a real personality and a feel to it. Like it was dark and it was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think overall the the iOS UI is a big step down. That said, on Mac, the thing that's frustrated me for so long about Beats is there's been no client for it on, um, you know, on your Mac except the HTML client, which was a disaster. So bad, <laughs> terrible, awful, don't know bad. Um, you know, obviously, iTunes has been criticized for a long, long time for being bloatware, which is probably fair, but yes. it still is a big step up from the HTML client. I would agree with that. I also feel like it's weird. Um, I like my favorite experience for Beats Music is actually on the iPad. I don't know if either of you have used it on the iPad yet. yet. Um, I like it on the iPad because there's a little more room. So the My Music aspect doesn't feel as cluttered. Um, You also have a separate area for it for playlists. Um, But I have to say it's weird, even though I do fundamentally believe that iTunes needs a full ground up rewrite. Um, Oddly, I don't mind where how they've inserted the new Apple Music features. Um, I like the I like for you. I like new, and I like my favorite thing. I think honestly is is uh, the fact that my music is all of my music. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter mm-hmm. where it's from, whether it's from iTunes Match or whether it's from my purchases or whether it's you know um, from things that I've added from Apple Music, it's all there in the same place, and that's really really great. Um, so it's weird. It's like I still feel like iTunes sucks, but I don't mind the mm-hmm. additions they've made if that makes any sense it's like they didn't make it suck anymore this is already a more complete list of music that i like than anything else that i have ever used just because it's so it's been so scattered for me for so many years so yeah my feels what do you think of the new icon christina which is this like rainbow colored <sighs> white thing god no it bothers me because of the white yeah the white is so stark i mean i don't mind like I, I i get what they're doing with kind of the gradient rainbow thing and i don't mind that um it, actually i kind of like it on on the mac mm-hmm. okay i think because mm. of the border but being borderless on the iphone just having that white square yeah. it just looks unfinished it sticks out like a sore thumb I, I think yeah. it's like I while I applaud Apple from taking a step away from yet another big giant blue icon <laughs> right <laughs> there, and they got they got radical. They changed it to a red icon a while back. Um, I don't know. This is uh, this is uh, it's difficult to look at. I guess I'll get used to it eventually. <laughs> so you know what the other thing I was playing around with is the Siri integration, which yeah. worked surprisingly well Siri's Um, gotten good yo yeah yeah Yeah. she's gonna save my life when I'm driving and I need to listen to music now fun fact though (laughs) yeah so there so almost every artist the Beatles being an exception are on Apple Music you know Taylor Swift's there the chronic is there dead Kennedy's is there um (laughs) but uh you can ask Siri to do things like you say say hey Siri you know play the number one song from insert year here and we were testing this out in the office and so we said 1994 and it came up and said, we're sorry, but the sign by Ace of Base is not available for streaming. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ace of Base, the Swedish band, um, who was kind of a, an ABBA kind of wannabe band, um, 
uh, which Max Martin, uh, you know, who's a pop legend who did obviously, you know, he, he uh, co-produced in 1989 and he did some of Kelly mm-hmm. Clarkson's big stuff and Kelly Minogue and the Backstreet Boys. And he's a genius. He's amazing. He actually produced, I think, Ace of Bass's second album. Oh so that's how God. far back he goes. But I wonder if it's like the Swedish mafia sort of thing, meaning like, you know, because I because uh, Spotify is, is Swedish and Ace of Bass is on um, Spotify. But they are not on Apple Music. So we have Taylor Swift, but we do not have the sign. Oh, there's no justice, Christina Warren. I know, I know. But for g- good news, everyone, if you ask um, Siri to play the top song from 1995, Coolio's Gangster's Paradise yes. plays back. Absolutely no problem. Yes. Nice. I, I do That's think something new was superior to... Well, Gangster's Paradise, was that the song? Or that was his album, right? Well, was that, was the, that was the song from um, Dangerous Minds. Right, right. I, I love something <laughs> As I new. walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yeah, I take okay. a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Yeah. Simone, have you ever <laughs> heard of someone named Coolio? Christina, you're a way better <laughs> singer than me. You should You should start singing the ads now. I think it's your turn. Your turn to step up. Take me down. Move me from my throne. <laughs> Speaking of, so should we should we move on? Uh, are you guys- do, I don't. I, you know, Christina, are you able to talk about your interview at all? Or because we've we've got to cover that. We've got to. Cover oh, if you that. can talk yeah, about that, please yeah. do talk about that. Yeah. So no. So I um, had a very cool experience on Monday. Um, I was fortunate enough to get um, some early access to Apple Music, um, and um, so I kind of got a walk through the product, and then I hopped on the phone with Eddie Q. Uh, Jimmy Iovine and Trent Reznor. Oh! And we're dying. Was, yeah, I was dying. So I knew I was going to talk to, to Jimmy and Eddie beforehand, which I was super excited about. And it was funny because um, we were talking before about how like we thought maybe Jimmy is better in smaller groups than, than in front of big people. And I've talked to him before and that totally came through because mm-hmm. he said some of the most salient and I think like really like pr- important things about kind of the, the music industry at large in our interview. He had some really good quotes, but I didn't know that Trent was going to be on the call until about five minutes before they called me oh, and they said, Trent's yeah. going to join too. And I went, uh, uh, okay, <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, yeah. That's really awesome. What was he like in person? Um, you know, I mean, it was just over the phone, but he was really nice and uh-huh. he said some really intelligent things. He was really articulate. Um, Beats One, you know, the music, the live radio mm-hmm. st- uh, uh, station that we haven't even really talked about, but I think is a really yeah. interesting idea. And, we and should I talk like, about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I really like what they're trying to do with it. Beats mu- Beats One, rather, is was his idea. Huh. It, and it was something that came to him. He was said, you know, I'm thinking a lot about how we listen to music and 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 what some of the ways are that people listen to music. And he said, you know, and I kept thinking about the fact that despite having access to everything else, I still find myself going back to, you know, Sirius and, and listening to the radio. And I thought, well, why is that? And he said, well, I like having that mm-hmm. human connection. I like knowing that there's a person behind the dial choosing what I'm listening to. And when mm-hmm. he was in um, England touring or, or recording one of his albums, he um, was frequently tuning in to Zane's um, BBC uh, Radio One show and really fell in love with what Zane was doing. And first he said when he was, you know, kind of had sort of the idea for this, he it was when it was still Beats music. They thought, well, maybe we'll create a radio station with no skip buttons. And then they thought about it and go, mm, people will go crazy if we do that. 
And then they started playing around with the idea of, well, what if we had like a real radio station, kind of a throwback thing? And once, mm-hmm. um, you know, they joined Apple, they suddenly had a lot more resources um, and, and abilities to kind of experiment and do stuff. And so um, he said he, they approached Zane. He approached Zane and said, you know, the Zane was was the, um, the immediate and the only choice and basically said, look, we want to create this you know, kind of radio station experience. And um, in other conversations I had with people at Apple Music, they kind of likened the the experience they were going for, you know, to kind of early MTV sort of stuff where it's kind of a cultural phenomenon where everybody's listening to the same thing at the same time. And you only know, you can only listen in live. Um, and um, he wanted Zane to kind of infuse his entire DNA and his creativity into the project. And that's really come through. You know, I've, I don't know um, how much you guys have listened to Beats um, 1, but um, from what I've been able to listen to it, I mean, I don't love everything they play, um, but I like what they're doing. And I think that I, I like the idea. I mean, it, it very much takes the essence of what Zane was doing on, on uh, Radio 1 and bringing it to a much broader audience, which I think is great. I love the fact that you've got these really smart DJs that are playing really cool stuff um, across genre, you know, just mm-hmm. good music. Um, and I'm looking forward to the fact that they're going to have interviews with musicians, that they're breaking tracks, that they're doing cool stuff. And I do also like the fact that it's a global audience. Everybody's kind of listening at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Um, I. I was it's reading cool. on The Verge that they have been looping, I guess, the twelve, the first 12 hours or the the 12 hours of um, radio because they're, I, I guess, time zones. Is that something that is going to be continuing or do you think sure. that's... Um, I'm not sure because I know yeah. that they have some programming planned. I mean, I know they're doing 24 hours. I know they have some programming planned. For instance, uh, St. Vincent, she's going to have her own show that she calls like mix mixtape delivered to you, where basically people write her letters or make her videos. And then she creates a custom mixtape for them based on what they send her, mm-hmm. which yeah. I think is kind of awesome. Um, so I think maybe once they ramp up programming, there might be less looping, but I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I would really love to see it expand just globally to with DJs in different countries. That's something I could really see them them doing and just giving people a taste of what is popular globally, but also locally in that place. I think that that would be an amazing opportunity to really make it feel completely global rather than western centric yeah no i agree i mean and again i mean i think that it, it it's so early right now yeah of course. um that that it's hard to kind of maybe put it completely um in in that context but i think that, that honestly I, I do think that's their goal yeah i should say i did listen and enjoy the the stuff that i listened to and i actually just found new artists in the, yes. the very short Same. time that i was listening to it it was well, great that was Exactly. And and that was what I liked. And that was, um, uh, you know, I, I used to pirate Zane show or basically pirate a, 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 an iPlayer login to listen on the BBC. Huh? And I, I always really liked his show. Well, look, they don't make it way for me to... talented. Yeah. He's so talented. And yeah. so I think that Trent... It, and it takes, I think, a musician and somebody from that sort of talent, mm-hmm. you know, side to, to see that sort of talent to realize this is a sort of voice that deserves a bigger audience. And this is the sort of voice, not that BBC Radio 1 was small by any means, but this is something that deserves, you know, a bigger scale. Um, and yeah. what I like about it, I mean, I get the sense from Apple, obviously, I think that this is something they're focusing on and they want to do well. But this is, I got the sense talking to, to Eddie, especially that, I mean, this is the sort of thing that, 
you know, they're they're taking a long play approach at this. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think all aspects of Apple Music are going to work. I'll go on record as saying I don't think Connect is going to really last. I agree. Um, but I feel like, um, you know, Beats 1, even though it probably will evolve, I feel like they're willing to invest the time and, into seeing what happens with it. They're not mm-hmm. looking for an immediate ROI return. Um, yeah. And they have the money and the time, I think, to really nurture the service. And I'm glad they're doing it because, frankly, you know, radio has become, um, you know, uh, 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 Jimmy Iovine made this point. You know, he said, you know, it's 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 playlists. It's not radio. And it's, you know, the really good stuff has been kind of hidden behind these walls because so much of radio is, is programmed based on genre or based on, you know, market research or based on, you know, other factors. And so it ends up being you know, all sounding the same. Every song sounds the same. And you hear the same 20 songs every couple of hours. <laughs> um, I, when I took a trip uh, from, from from coming back from D.C., you know, we heard the same three or four songs like, multiple times on that trip. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's just kind of where radio has gone. So the fact that all of us are talking about the fact that we've discovered new music, just listening to Beats one in two yeah. days, that says something right there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's well said. But before we move on to our next topic, can I tell you guys like an awesome Trent Reznor story? So yeah. do, do you remember Ping? Do you remember Ping? Yeah, I do remember Ping. Oh my God. Oh, Ping what was a disaster. Oh, what a disaster. So like when Ping comes out and like Apple's like, and you can follow any any musician that you want, and it'll be amazing. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, so like I get on ping and I start typing in. I'm like, who am I gonna follow? Trent Reznor. Yeah, I love like, and I just have to say like his music soundtracks for 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 like um you know Gone Girl is amazing. Yes, it's just an amazing and social soundtrack. Network. Social he's, network. He's, he's amazing. amazing. In Motion is an amazing one. How about like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? Like mm-hmm. I listen to a God. thousand details, which is a track from that all the time it's just totally amazing. It's a great track so like that's the caliber of artist we're talking about right so i follow my ping and i'm like i'm gonna get like some good stuff here and then it's like oh trent Reznor made a purchase let me look at this and it's like he buys an album it's like washing machine sounds for toddlers <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like 101 kid songs and like you could tell you just had a baby and i'm like Oh, Trent Ping, like another way <laughs> Ping let me down. Out of the many ways Ping let me down. Is that it made Trent like look like a dad. Right, right. Which Maybe is, like, like that's that, cool. Oh, which but, is cool, yeah. but you're like, no, this is not what I want. No, I want to Maybe he just you, wanted like, to reappropriate yeah. the wacky sound effects of washing machines for his music. Uh, that Remix is very that. possible. Yeah. Yeah. I could see, I could hear that. I could hear that. <laughs> You know, something like tonally that makes his music very interesting is a lot of EDM people stick to a standard set of synthesizers. The really good people will sit there and take music from like washing machines and like build their own sounds. So when you hear a Trent Reznor, you know, was it an Atticus Ross soundtrack in a movie and it has that distinctive sound, that's because they sat there and actually built all the sounds that they're using, which mm-hmm. is why it sounds so distinct. He's out there recording washing machines Maybe even as we speak. Maybe he did. So <laughs> You were listening to him share stuff on Connect, right, Christina? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was cool. Yeah. I I haven't I have not delved into that, I will be honest. Um, it's on my list of things to do as I continue to waste the rest of my life messing with <laughs> yeah. Apple music. I mean, I think that the goal with Connect is really they want it to kind of be like SoundCloud for artists. They want artists to feel like they can yeah. post 
and, they, and the cool thing about Connect, I will say, is that it can either be in front of or behind the paywall. So if they want to make it accessible to everyone, they can do that. If they want to make it only accessible you know, to, to paid users, they can do that. If they want to make it part of the iTunes catalog, it can be part of that. If it wants to be dis- separate, it can be like not part of iTunes at all, but just something that you can only listen to in Connect. I think that's really cool. My big concern with it is that I don't know how often people are going to actually use it. It's one yeah. of those things where I feel like it's, I, I feel like it has the opportunity to, it, it, not the opportunity, I feel like the reality is it will just be relegated to yet another platform that artists don't use. Yeah, um, it's so I, the, I, it requires so much participation on their part, right? And 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 I think that that aspect of it. I mean, I think it, the, in a perfect world, you know, Apple thinks, oh, it'll replace having to go to Instagram for your photos and, and SoundCloud mm-hmm. for your music and YouTube for your videos and other stuff with your status updates. <laughs> but the reality is, is that they're going to have to post to those other places anyway. Yeah. Um, and if it just becomes yet another place to kind of post the same stuff, then it's going to kind of lose its value. One thing yeah. I do think is cool, though, and the things that are worth following are some of the, um, the uh, editors, the music editors from the various um, genres because they go through the various artists on Connect and will repost their stuff or will oh. post highlights. So if you don't want to follow all these artists, you can just follow the editors and they'll point out the good stuff basically. That is very cool. All right. Well, now I know what to play with later when, you know, as I said. Cool. Con- Shall Connect we move? sounds oh. very much like Ping. That's the yes. only thing it, I'm going to say. It's it, very, it is very much like Ping. Cruel um, words it's a little bit better. Gara Wu. It's, no, it's kind of like Ping. It's kind of like Spotify's follow. And, and everybody's kind of tried. I mean, MySpace, it worked. Uh, and then MySpace yeah. imploded. Uh, but we really haven't had that kind of social network for musicians and, and for artists and fans to get together. It'd be great if, if um, you know, that could happen. I, I don't think Connect is going to be that thing. That's just me, though. Christina Warren's daring prediction for the future. Mm. Cool. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Hover, which is the easiest way to buy and manage domain names for all the projects that you've been sitting on for years. You need to get domain names for those things because you are going to be a star someday. You're going to have your own Apple Music Connect account and be sharing the stuff that came out so poorly. But you know what? Let's just roll with it. Uh, So yeah, as we've said, Hover makes it so, so easy to buy domain names. They have all kinds of TLDs available. So whatever you want to do, you can just type it in and search it up and find out what's available to you. They have .com domains from $12.99. And they've recently lowered prices on the 200 plus options that they have. I, of course, based on our conversation last week, I typed no pants into Hover and I was nice. looking for no pants domain names. Um, no pants.com, no dash pants.com is available for $12.99, which is right at my alley. Zero clothes.com is also $12.99. So there are a lot of, there are a lot of opportunities out there. And if you don't want a .com, they have lots of other TLDs. They have .ceo, they have .business, they have .works, scrolling down the NYC. list. Yeah. And they also have fantastic customer support. Uh, you can talk to actual human beings, but then also if you don't want to do that, their website has great documentation and guides for solving any problems that you might have. So please do check out Hover. Uh, if you use the show code, wait for it. Furiosa at checkout. Yeah. They always do so good by us, you guys. They always do so good. Oh, my God. 
I'm, I've Come I found on, it. You know you want to buy like 10 domains just to Just type so you can put that, that in code. there. Exactly. That's so good. Do you uh, use show code Furiosa at checkout? You will get 10% off your first purchase at Hover and you will show them that you support Rocket, which is our show. And I hope you do support us. And thank you, Hover, for sponsoring us. Thank you, Hopper. They are the best. So on to the second topic of the day. Uh, Google has announced that they are going to remove search results for sites linking to revenge porn. (sighs) Good. And uh, yes, thank God. Um, Revenge porn is, of course, when somebody who doesn't like you, usually an ex, posts explicit photos or videos. Uh, Those usually come with details about the person's life because if you're going to be a, a scumbag, you might as well go all the way to the end of the spectrum and be the absolute worst scumbag in the entire world. So Google is doing something that is seems like common sense. Uh, they're basically going to be providing a form this summer where you can report the websites that are hosting it and they'll remove it from the search results. The content is still out there, obviously, because Google does not, in fact, control everything that is wow. on the internet yet. Seriously? But I know. I, they did. I know it's a surprise, Christina. Please try to... to restrain yourself um so yeah this is really cool i was watching the john oliver segment about it this week and he pointed out that 23 states have passed laws against revenge porn and then there's you know the rest of them that's nowhere near the what what you would expect logically to be the amount of states that have created some kind of law against posting revenge porn allowing people to prosecute prosecute people who post revenge porn easier Mm -hmm. so yeah so I have a lot to say about this. Um, I've just spent the last two days at Harvard actually doing work with the women that have been working to get that actual policy put in place uh, at Google. And you know, one of the women, uh, Marianne, like we've actually been sitting down for the last two days and and brainstorming about how to kind of you know get more of this legislation passed. Look at what the technical mm-hmm. issues are. Look at what the legislative issues are. And this is actually, it's a really, really interesting um, problem for for a million different reasons. So Mm -hmm. they have statutes in 23 different states, which sounds great. Um, except for the fact that they're really, really weakly worded. They sometimes don't have a lot of teeth. Um, interestingly, New Jersey is the state with one of the strongest, best um, you know, revenge porn uh, laws. So what they're looking to do, and you know, what you're actually going to see me in the news a bit, kind of working to get passed, um, is there's a federal bill coming up on the 23rd of this month. And what, what people are basically looking to do is to the definition right now is very it's very very specifically narrow like um let's look at the the sex uh you know the the pics that were leaked of jennifer lawrence and you know Mm -hmm. a million other women where um that was released under many revenge porn laws that actually wouldn't be a crime because there wasn't um like malicious revenge intent in leaking that it was just a violation mm-hmm. of those women's bodies. Um, so you know, what I think is really interesting is kind of looking more at the technical side. Um, mm-hmm. Because like, yeah, there are reasons, there are many reasons for like, pornographic images taken against consent to like, end up, um, you know, to need to be in the public domain. A really good example, I would argue, would be uh, Abu Ghraib. You know, like, here are very 
graphic, terrible images, but there's a public um, value to kind of showing people what the government is doing. Um, you know, in the case of Google taking this down, you know, the fight to get there was very, very difficult. You know, they had to. Uh, there used to be these services who would like put up your mugshot and then would index it super high in the Google search results. And, you know, then you'd have to pay them money to have that taken down. Google obviously stepped in and said, we're not doing that. So for them to come forward with, um, you know, revenge porn and basically uh, agree to take that down, they the only way they responded to it was like saying it was non-consensual pornography didn't get them anywhere. They had to argue against it as a privacy right. So um, I think it's just a ton of really interesting issues here. I'd love to know what you all think about it. I find it interesting. As I was researching this, I found that, um, you know, Google is coming after Reddit and Twitter and Facebook in Mm -hmm. not allowing these photographs to be posted without consent. And I am actually curious my big question with this is how much traffic does it actually cut out? If I I don't know what kind of horrible person would be looking for revenge porn, but I assume maybe naively that if you are that kind of person, you know, you you have a source to find it that isn't Google. You have it bookmarked. You, you have a, a way that is not Google to, to to find these things. So I'm Correct. I'm wondering actually how much I think it's really important as a as a gesture. Um, I think it's really important for just keeping that stuff from filtering through to everyone. I'm wondering what kind of results it will actually have on traffic. Can, can I say something about that? Yeah, that's please a do. Really key issue here. And um, you know, one of the reasons I'm going to put some, you know, my political capital behind trying to get this um, legislative criminal action for this is um, you actually have 15 year old girls who have, you know, had photographs taken against their will at parties when they've been, you know, passed out. We don't know if they were like slipped something to take. Um, have actually been so humiliated by it they've gone and have committed suicide yeah you know, there are two really mm-hmm. tragic cases about that um you know it's almost like the best term i can come up for it is pandora's docs <laughs> like it's something Jeez. that once you have it you you can't get it back there's also like and this was hard for me to wrap my mind around but there's a certain kind of pornography consumer that um, the power dynamic of pornography made against someone's will is very erotic for them. So there's there's a power dynamic as well. So mm-hmm. you're correct that those specific sites, um, and I'm certainly not going to give the name of them here, you could certainly type that in and go see it. And that's still going to harm that woman that has non-consensual sexual imagery taken of her. Um, it's also worth saying like DuckDuckGo, they've made no progress with and Bing, they've made no progress with yet, which is why like this has to be a, a multi-spectrum solution there. So Christina, what do you think of this? I mean, I think it's great that Google is doing this. I think I understand why um they came after, you know, Twitter and Reddit and some others. And that's because, I mean, Google is in a weird position. And I think this is why some of the other search engines are, are in this position, too, where you don't want to take a political stance, no matter how valid it might be, on censoring what can and can't be seen. 
Um, I think that because it can be a slippery slope, I think in this case, because it is, you know, without your consent, and in some cases, it could very much be illegal, you know, when you're talking about 15 year old girls, you know, frankly, that in a lot of states, in a lot of areas that falls under child porn statutes, I think that you can, it, I, I think that you can argue that in this case, it's a crime, like a real crime, not, you know, like a, a, a you know, a copyright violation crime, like an actual crime. Um, but I think that I, I understand that there's kind of, I guess, like a balance between, you know, what you step in for um, to, you know, restrict um, because it's morally reprehensible versus, um, you know, what, like, I, I understand, you know, not wanting to get involved in anything that's involving speech. Um, but I'm glad that they're stepping in in this case. Um, I think that it's, but I have a, I, I have hope. I mean, I'm sure, yes, obviously, there are going to be underground forums and places where people can go to share and talk about this sort of thing. I think, though, that getting it out of Google, um, is a really big step, at least for a lot of people, towards um, the spread of this stuff, because at least globally, um, if you have an individual who you're part of a small community of friends and, you know, your boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever leaks nudes of you for revenge porn purposes, those photos are going to get around your group. And that's going to be just as devastating as if a million people saw it. If anything, it's probably more devastating when people you know see it than if strangers see it. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, there's nothing that legislation or, you know, search engine policies can do to prevent that from happening. Um, but I do think that it at least can make it harder for um, regular people to be kind of re-victimized, I guess, by those things coming up again, especially when people have it associated with their name. Um, because that's really devastating. So, I mean, I think it's good stuff, but I think it's it's obviously it's a much more difficult you know problem to solve. And in, in a because if people are as long as these sites are around, um, you know, people are going to be kind of sharing this stuff. And and again, I think that it will it will spread between you know groups associated with the person. As opposed to being something that the regular, you know, just, you know, pervs on the internet are looking for. Um, so in that end, I almost wonder, you know, at, at a certain point, you know, are, are, are ISPs and web hosts going to start taking stances against hosting stuff that's revenge porn? And then what, Paul, how do you go through, you know, proving what is and what isn't that sort of thing? And, 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 um, and obviously, there's always the risk if you're filing DMCA takedowns or not DMCA takedowns. But if you're if you're filing different copyright or or, or privacy, you know, notices to try to get content removed, is that creating more awareness around it and making or making more people aware of of your dirty laundry? You know, there's always that weird balancing act between how much do you draw attention to it and how much do you just kind of hope that it it, it fades away. It's um it's tough. I have to make that call every single day with stuff that, you know, I deal with that's abusive. Like, you know, so I, I definitely understand that. I, I do want to say that you're very correct, Christina, that Google, in working with them, Google's worry was exactly what you said, like slippery slope, overreach. I, I do want to say the people working on this are not extremists that like no. want to create an environment where everyone gets prosecuted and i'd say we're all intelligent women here the people they're working on this thing are lawyers talking about case laws and specific language and stuff that like i'm a reasonably bright person i can barely follow it and you know like they are thinking about public exemption intent like there are all kinds of things in there that make sense and i can tell you having like studied the actual policies that they're advocating for the last two days um you know i am someone that is 
very worried about expanded government surveillance. I am very disturbed when you know government steps in and wants Google to censor things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I am somebody that wants things like Abu Ghraib made public, so you know the people electing leaders can make choices about that. Um, and I can tell you, for me, everything I see the the advocates in this field working towards seems very, very reasonable to me. And you know, like I think as a society, like, you know, it's not a binary, you know, bifurcated choice. You know, there are gradients here and, you know, like we make small decisions and then like we, we find out where that line is. I think like, I, I, I I think that non-consensual pornography is something that, you know, we need to think about as a society. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the current ways to deal with it are so, so limiting. I, the reactions are basically, if you've sent it, someone else owns it, oh, just step away from your computer or, you know, file a copyright claim and go through that whole process for something that I feel should not be that, – that it should not be that complicated. It's your body, your photographs. It's non-consensual. It should be way, way easier to get those things taken down. And I, I do think that this is a good first step to at least getting – Getting the idea out there that this is definitely not okay, this is something that people will fight against and continue to fight against and try to find ways to deal with. And I, I liked Google's wording about it. They said it was uh, porn Im- revenge porn images are intensely personal, emotionally damaging, and serve only to degrade the victims. And yeah. I think that that's a really – I mean, like you said, lawyers were very involved in this, but that's very powerful lawyer wording. And I definitely appreciate that. If I could say one more thing on this and we can yeah. we can move on. Um, you know, there is uh, – it, it really bothers me because I think that the central issue at hand here is kind of a, a public sense of ownership over women's bodies. Um, exactly. I was, I was streaming HBO Now and I was watching the first Bill Maher um, episode, who's a comedian I normally love. Um, and you know, he was actually joking and smiling and was just not bothered at all by the, the Jennifer Lawrence sex scandal, or mm-hmm. not sex scandal, you know, basically sexual leak, leak, um, sex crime, I think would be accurate. I, I think that's um, accurate. Um, and you know, it's not that I think he's a bad person. It's that I think Bill Maher doesn't really understand just how violating and, and damaging that is. Mm-hmm. And I think like because everyone is so bombarded with like images of women as you know, something you consume, I think that there's a real lack of public consciousness about the the person there. And you know, ultimately I think this is about power. I am Uber pro-pornography. I'm the most sex-positive feminist you're ever going to meet. I love Bayonetta. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not bad at Dead or Alive, believe it or not, which is a very <laughs> corny video game. Um, I love sex. I love pornography. And yeah, I, won't, I don't want that to be clamped down on. But I think it really crosses the line when you're asking people that haven't given consent to participate in that. I mean, look at the reactions to the Jennifer Lawrence photo league. It was like, oh, she should be proud. She looks great. That's not what it's about. It's about no, the it's fact not. that a human being was surprised by the, their personal life suddenly being everyone's public life. And I think it really speaks to this idea that we have that, like, things that happen on the internet are not happening in real life. They're happening in the virtual world, which is 
That doesn't exist. It's just the real world. It's the same thing with online bullying. Online bullying is something that is happening to real people in real life. And I, yes. I think that that's the whole philosophy behind, I, I guess, the resistance to prosecuting revenge porn, the, the, the idea that it should just be able to exist out there and we can just ignore it and walk away from it. It's that idea that that's on the internet. It's not going to affect you, which is a grotesque lie. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's one thing for us to say, you know, Jennifer Lawrence has money and fame and lawyers and um, a, a support system um, that she can deal with, you know, uh, her personal photos getting out there. I, I personally don't think that's a valid argument. I think that it's still terrible. Mm -hmm. And she's every much as a victim as everyone else. But she certainly has a position of privilege to be able to, to, to weather that storm better than a 15 year old girl or a 25 year old woman yeah. or someone else who when their personal life is out there and their friends and their bosses and their colleagues yes. um, and, and people you know their, their their classmates their teachers when they can see these things it can destroy someone's life yeah and yeah. that's that that's the reality with this you know i think that sometimes when we talk about the celebrity aspect it glosses over the real impact it has on regular people yeah because celebrities are a little bit removed and by being public figures they're subject to some some crap that frankly regular people aren't that's part of the deal with being famous is that you're under more scrutiny and you lose some of your privacy. It doesn't mean it's okay for your most intimate moments to become public, but it does mean that you have given up a certain amount of your privacy and the fact that you're naked does actually become news and something that you report on. Whether you show you don't show the photos, you know, if you're a rely if you're a reputable organization, but you report on the fact that the photos are out there because it is a news story at that point, right? But when we're talking about regular people who are the the victims in this case and in revenge porn cases, um, they're the people whose lives can truly be ruined. And when you're right, Simone, you say, you know, bullying, cyberbullying is bullying. And in fact, what I also think is important about that and it works with revenge porn, too, is that this stuff doesn't just exist online. It crosses over into people's regular lives, mm -hmm. too. You know, especially cyberbullying. You know, people are cyberbullied in addition to being really bullied. You know, people say things online because they might not have the balls to say them to their face, but they're still whispering them behind their back. And people are becoming kind of part of a cadre who get into really wanting to make people miserable. When people are victims of revenge porn, you know, they're, again, like regular people in their life can be are now aware of things that are very personal and then maybe you shouldn't be you know people will say oh well don't take the photos if you don't want this to happen that's not the reality of the world we live in the real reality of the world we live in is that we all take photos and we all do things with our bodies and with our lives that we don't expect to then show up and be shown to people especially people we know you know you it, you think about who would like you you take a really personal photo and you think would i want my boss to see this Would i want my mom to see this Would i want you know my aunt or uncle or, or even my best friend to see this the answer is probably no but you don't expect that the person you're with will violate your trust that way and and and, and also to be clear in, in the jennifer lawrence and, and kind of that icloud hack case it wasn't any of the you know the um boyfriends or girlfriends of the celebrities who leaked things it was hackers who broke into accounts and was able to download stuff but regardless you know um you don't expect that someone that you're in a relationship with to violate your trust that way and the worst way you can hurt someone is is to you know make it make it accessible and and to show people you know and and again that falls into the real world realm and I think no legislation is going to make kind of that aspect go away but if we can limit kind of I think people's access to this and kind of limit the uh, I guess 
um, arousal and kind of, you know, the, the fetish, you know, people kind of getting off on this sort of thing, if we can at least put some sort of stop to the, at least the big Google funnel, then, you know, it's not going to fix the problem, but it can maybe make it better and maybe make it less of a currency for people to use. I don't know. Yeah, that's really well said. I, th- I think it's also worth saying, like, probably every single woman who is active on the internet has thought about what she would do if this happened to her. I know I Definitely. have. Yep. I it's Yeah, it's not like people are being totally unaware of the dangers and just waltzing around taking nude photos of themselves and dropping them from buildings. Like, no, this is this is very, very ugh, crappy. Ultimate crap. So time for dessert. <laughs> the trailer for the Jobs film was released today. And Michael Fassbender looks really nerdy. But also good at the same time. He looks really? so hot. Really? I think he looks so really? hot. He doesn't look you anything would, like Christina. Steve you oh. freaking would. I uh, I think Michael Fassbender looks totally hot. I will take Prometheus Fassbender. This one didn't do it for me. Oh, well, look. Obviously, I think Promethe- Prometheus Fassbender is way hotter. But still, during the, the, that was my one thing watching the trailer. A, I think it looks really good. It totally looks like a Sorkin film. It totally yeah. looks great. Um. I know too much about this movie, having covered, you know, the Sony hack and, and covered how, you know, Sony lost the film and how it went to Universal. But I have to say, I mean, the one weird thing is, and I don't think, I, I'm certainly not going to say that the, I'm looking forward to seeing the film. I do feel like it's weird how little Fassbender looks like Jobs. There were certain shots where he did, and then the rest of the time it was just like, yeah, it's Michael Fassbender in a turtleneck. Right. I know. It doesn't, it really, it, maybe when we watch the film, I'll be able to buy into it, but it really, it really, it, 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 there's a thing required for film, which is suspension of disbelief. Like, you have to buy into the universe. If you're watching a Transformers movie, you have to buy that they're giant robots. If you're watching Aliens, you have to buy that they're in, <laughs> in serious danger. And here, this is a movie about jobs, and I fundamentally, from the trailer, don't feel like I'm watching Steve Jobs. Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be the real challenge um, that it has. Um, that said, there are a lot of people who pointed it out to me on Twitter, and I had this conversation with my colleague, Pete Patchell, um, who, you know, there, there's been a history of performances that can kind of transcend the looks thing. You mm-hmm. know, you look at Frost Nixon, you yep. know, um, the actor mm. who played, you know, I mean, obviously, um, I, I can't think of his name, who played, um, you know, um, yeah, both in both cases, neither of them really looked like the subject. And yet, it, it was incredibly, incredibly great performances. You bought it. Um, you know, um, Nixon with, uh, with um, you know, um, Anthony Hopkins, another case where, you know, it was a good performance and he didn't necessarily look like it. There have been, you know, a lot of kind of instances in, in, in cinema history where and maybe not with a figure quite as recognizable as Steve Jobs with that caveat. But there have been a lot of instances where the performance can outweigh how much you look like someone. And so I think the important thing will be, does he get the mannerisms right? Because um, to me, that was what actually made Pirates of Silicon Valley such a great film um, was Noah Wiley's performance. Right. Um, I mean, that's very much a TV film, but I felt Noah Wiley gave a cinematic performance in that. Um, Noah Wiley is significantly better looking than Steve Jobs, um, <laughs> especially especially back then. Yeah. You know, he was that was the ER height, just so hot. I, I um, still think he's hot. Oh, I do too. I I love Noah Wiley. Um, I've always Mm -hmm. thought he, and it's funny, he and Christian Bale do look so similar to me. Um, But anyway. Oh, uh, wow, they do. 
Wow. Yeah. They, think about it. Exactly. Right. And so, you know, but, but, but the reason that he nailed that role is he got the the voice, he got the connotations, and mostly he got the, the mannerisms completely down to the point that mm-hmm. that was why he was able to show up at that Macworld as Steve Jobs and people in the back who I've talked to people who were there live who didn't realize it wasn't Steve Jobs until the real Steve Jobs walked out. You know, and these are and, and it was because they were far enough back they they couldn't see and but the mannerisms were so and the voice was so that they really thought it was Steve, and so I'm hoping that that I mean Michael Fassbender is a great actor, Danny Boyle is a great mm-hmm. director, I think that that I'll be able to buy it, um, but I I will have to say it's a little jarring looking at just this trailer and going. That doesn't look like Steve Jobs. It it lacks the context. I think that the full movie will obviously have. It was for me. It, it I it took me a while to get into it. It, it felt a little too Sorkin, too dramatic yeah. at first, and I was like, "This is a little TV movie." I'm sorry, but then at the end when they had like the the people pounding on the floor and stuff, that was when I started to get really excited. So. It all depends on atmosphere, really. If we if we sink into it and embrace that tidal wave and think that I almost said Christian Fassbender, Christian Bale, Michael Fassbender is Steve Jobs. It'll be it'll be cool. It'll be cool. And I mean, then I can Christ- buy all that dialogue. Christine, have you actually read the script for this? No, no, because the script was served on was stored on different servers, not on Sony's system. So the script was safe. But I have read a deep rundown of what the plot is and who the characters are. And it's three yeah, acts and basically but, takes yeah. place, you know, before the launch of the Mac, before the launch of the iMac, and before the launch of the iPod. But you know as well as I do that like a Sorkin script is going to come down to that that dialogue. Like when, um, you know, God, I remember when I was learning to write and we were working on our television pilot back with my first startup. Um, yeah, like I would sit there and study Sports Night, which is a yes, gem of a show. Like so it, good. it holds up to this day and it's awesome. So, yes, it does. And, you know, there was a, you know, like a rhythm, a pal, a cadence, yes. um, just this beauty to it. And, you know, Sorkin is kind of famous for ripping off Sorkin. And I have to admit, (laughs) I don't know if it's because I kind of like the first trailer that was released. I was like, just breathless because every line they gave like made my spine tingle because it was powerful. And I bought that performance. And maybe it's because I was like seeing those same lines again in kind of a context that made them feel weaker. Um, it, I have to say, I wasn't feeling like the rat-a-tat rhythm of this in the same way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but I have a feeling that'll be there. You know I, I mean? So. Uh, look, I mean, Sorkin is great. It's the same. It's the same producing team that did The Social Network. Oh, um, well, then never mind. Never mind. Know. Never mind. Social Network is a, a classic. Yeah, and it is. Is wonderful. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's funny because The Social Network was the best thing that ever happened to Facebook. You know, as much as they derided the film internally and as much as they said, oh, you know, but they got so much wrong, it doesn't matter that, that Zuckerberg came across as creepy and, and, and weird. Um, he also came across as powerful. And then that film proved that Facebook was a big enough company worth making a movie about in 2010. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it helped build their legacy, you know, for, 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 for good, frankly. You know, I mean, it, it was, I, I contend it was the best thing that happened to that company. Um, what's interesting about this is that a lot of the source material is from, um, you know, um, 
the book Steve Jobs. And and that book has why Walter Isaacson and, and that book has been, you know, kind of by some fans, you know, kind of criticized as maybe he didn't get it. He wasn't the right guy. Uh, but I mean, you know, the Steve Jobs story has been so widely told and he's clearly, clearly a complicated man. I think that focusing on three different aspects of his life rather than doing like the straight biopic is actually a really interesting approach of doing it. I also think it's really interesting that they're not showing, you know, the, the, the one of the pieces he didn't write was the introduction of the iPhone. I, I feel like. And I think that actually makes sense. I feel like, you know, um, doing kind of, you know, these, these kind of three pivotal moments, um, you know, the launch kind of, of of the thing that made him him, you know, the, the, the Mac, um, him coming back is kind of like, I can make things okay again moment with the iMac. And then the moment of this is the moment that is going to set in motion, you know, the rise of Apple from being kind of this just barely recovering tech company to being the most powerful, largest company in the world. And that was the iPod. Yeah. I think all of those things make sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know the entire social network team was doing it. So it's like yes. fear. And do you remember how bad those trailers were for that movie? I remember. Oh, I thought that going, trailer was great. It had really? the it had the, the yeah, well it had the skull and the Kalachani brothers, uh, uh, the the Belgium girls choir singing "Creep." I yeah, loved that. I I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I I didn't get into it. I just oh, that's a movie I've I've watched at least twenty times I at this point. Movie. Oh, I love that so movie. good. And the soundtrack on that is so good. So good. Though I think Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is a little better, but oh, it's close. It's close. It's close. Honestly, thinking about going home and watching The Social Network tonight. <laughs> I think I'm going to do that too. Actually, I think that it, it might be too late for me to do that tonight, but I'll do it this weekend because I have a long weekend. What did you guys think of the opening sequence for Girl with the Dragon Tattoo that had like the the black sort of oil the music video? I, yeah, I basically. Hate it. I hate it. Seriously? I hate it. Um, I thought it was so out of you. Know, maybe it's because I've read those books so many times, but like uh-huh. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is it's ultimately a very feminist series of three books. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about the sexual horror that's like done to her and her recovering from that. Um, yeah. you know, it's about Lisbeth's inner character. So, you know, and I'm so torn on portraying rape in films. I think in that case, it is so important to capture that character. And, I agree. And mm-hmm. to me, yeah. like the video itself was cool if you took it out of the context of this music of this you know story about a woman sexually abused and is trying to find herself again um it's just it's so jarring like seeing those two things juxtaposed yeah i guess i could see that i i really enjoyed it at the time just it it was so viscerally sort of disgusting and fascinating and it felt to me as filthy as the world that the book portrays Mm -hmm. um that was my that was my take on it. You know what else I like from that movie? What? Uh, you could check it out on Apple Music. Is Electrosexual by Sheena is the scene that Lisbeth is listening to when she's making out with that girl in the club. And if you plug that into Apple Music, make a radio station for my playlist, you will get an awesome number of songs. So awesome! Yes, a, a great, great. Okay, well, <laughs> well, very good recommendation there. <laughs> That is a good note to close on. Uh, Brianna, what are you doing this week? Uh, I am recovering from overcommitted schedule. <laughs> you had two hours and of sleep I think last I have night, a and it's a miracle. Week. I'm not sure if I do. I don't know. We'll have to find out. <laughs> Maybe a party. I don't know. Well, let it be a mystery. Christina, yep. what about you? I'm sleeping. Thank God. 
Yeah, I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping. I have a long weekend because it's the 4th of July and I have Friday off. Um, I do have to work on Sunday, but Sunday will be slow. Plus, I get two days off in exchange for that. So, woohoo. Um, that'll take some time later um, in the summer. But no, I'm sleeping. What about you, Simone? I'm definitely also sleeping. I'm heading out to the lake to celebrate 4th of July. And nice. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we're all pretty much just recovering from being really tired. Yeah. That's what happens That's when cool. you have a career. Don't make That's the same mistake. That's what happens when you're really important yeah. and awesome. Yeah. 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 Don't yeah. have careers, kids. Have just careers. stay home. Don't have careers. <laughs> Simone, you know what I want for my birthday? I want for you to get your butt on PSN and friend me and have a oh pebble smack down. I was going to say, you guys need to, like, I'm. <sighs> have I seriously not done that yet? You must do it. Oh, my God. Dude, yeah. I, I was playing Tales from the Borderlands all weekend, and it is so good. So the girl it's so that directed good. episode three is someone I know reasonally well professionally, and she was the first person at Tales Tale that was ever promoted up that high to like direct an entire game. Uh, so I haven't played it yet. Is it good? Is it good? It is so good. Okay. I love all the characters. It's hilarious. And speaking of music that I love, uh, every episode kind of has a title song, and it all of them are incredible, so I definitely recommend. But I won't be doing that this weekend because I'll be away from society in the wilderness, <laughs> climbing mountains and drowning in lakes. Um, don't drown. We would yeah, miss you. Yeah, please don't. That would not work out for Rocket. Oh, no, well, it wouldn't. Probably Rocket, make a- Rocket would, I mean, really, that's, I mean, yeah, because we, we're thinking of Rocket here. We're saying, you know, Rocket. Obviously, just right, yeah. So, yeah. The, the success <laughs> no. of the podcast is riding on my yeah, exactly. continuing to be alive. Or so you think. <laughs> I've actually confirmed dead for five years. Uh, anyway, so Rihanna, where can we find you online? Space Cat Gal. Sweet. Christina? So you can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and read my writing on Mashable. I've already written about 5,000 words on Apple Music this week. And tomorrow when this podcast posts, um, my half of an epic like 4,500 word review will be yes, up yes. as well. Wow. So yeah, this I week I've so written excited. like- I've written so much about Apple Music, you guys. It's a good product. The, your overview product. was amazing. Just, and I'm- <laughs> I've just written so much about it. <laughs> <laughs> you are Apple Music now. I am Apple Music That's now. That's what we'll call you. So so long, Extina. Hello, Apple Music. And I am uh, I'm you can find me on the Twitters at Doom Quasar and you can find my writing and my videos at Pixelkin.org. Did people listen to us this week and get you above two thousand followers? Oh my god! Yeah, I'm soaring towards 2,100 now. So thank you guys. You ruined my birthday. It was 1990 for so long, and now it's all up in the uh, so many, so many fans witnessing my hot mess, my ongoing hot mess. Enjoy 2,000 Twitter followers. Like when you get up to 10,000, you will come to know the hell of Twitter. <laughs> I can't even it imagine. Worse from here, just take my word for I, it. I get so. so stressed. I try. I try to respond to people or at least fave tweets, but I I, I foresee that not happening because there are times you when can't I'm just always like, respond. You can try, but like it's it's hard. Yeah. 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 Well, I try sorry, to fave. Guys. Like if I fave your your tweet to me, it means I hear you and I like what you said. So like, yeah. yeah. That is a good rule to live by yep all right cool uh terminated terminated terminated, terminated. <laughs>